0: The live opinions, descriptions, and accounts expressed on the Best of Times radio hour are those of the hosts and the guests of this show, and not necessarily those of Town Square Media or this station. Consult with your attorney, accountant, or other professional for final advice in making your decision. The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times. Your host, Gary Coligas. Good morning, Architects listeners.
1: I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show today. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about ways to reverse the effects of pain to help one's quality of life. So stay tuned to this show for some very interesting and beneficial information information for you or your loved ones. It is Saturday December the 5th and we are broadcasting our radio show today from the news for the news Studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a Town Square media station here in wonderful Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the December issue of The Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. We do thank you for the compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a copy, remember to log on to our website at w www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view current and past issues. We'll be right back with more information. But now, a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel, proudly presented by A Bears sending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer.
0: Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary
1: Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tending country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Also, thanking those listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Joining me on my show today is a very special guest. is Mr. Greg Redman, who is a doctor of physical therapy with Eberhardt Physical Therapy located here in the Shreveport area. And he's going to discuss how to help reverse the effects of pain to improve one's quality of life. Thank you, Greg, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour.
2: Well, thank you, Gary. Thanks for having me.
1: You know, uh, G- Greg, when I heard when I heard you give the presentation uh, several months ago, I was very impressed. I've never heard a presentation regarding helping people ref- re- reduce the effects of pain. You' always hear about people just talking about it and say it's there, and you're going to get it because of all these reasons, but uh, I, I thought your, your presentation was was very, um, was very beneficial to me. I learned a lot of new things, and hopefully today you were going to educate and provide those, some of those tips to our uh, listening audience out there. So your statement was, which I thought was an interesting statement, pain is a very personal experience, not just physical but emotional. And spiritual, wow, powerful yeah. statement
2: yeah absolutely I, when you start to talk to a lot of people about their pain, you get a real sense of how much it really does to them, not just on a physical basis but on the uh, on an emotional and spiritual one as well uh, it's, it's pretty all-encompassing it's one of the most common experiences we have as uh, as a person
1: you know right. and, and you you mentioned that it's a it's a drain on us, right you call it you define it as the pain drain, correct? absolutely that's that 's
2: kind of the rub isn 't it is, is how much pain what pain really does to us as an individual starts to take away normal experiences things that we would ex- expect our life to be composed of, and uh, as it starts to drain away these normal experiences, it actually re- gets replaced by things that are considered suffering or Part of what we consider the human condition, you know, dealing with pain is a, is a real struggle in life and learning what to do about it is is really even a bigger struggle.
1: Right. So what do we need to know about pain and the, the how long-lasting it is and what, what should we do? What, what should we, how should we challenge that?
2: Well, that's, um, I've heard a lot of reasons for people that uh, suffered silently or hadn't asked for help. Um, some of them are irrational thoughts. Some of them are actually downright heartbreaking. Um, When you get to listen to people day in and day out, you get to realize that um, their complaints, whether they give them to their doctor or their therapist, I don't even really consider them complaints. That's them opening up, and sometimes it's very hard to open up about pain.
1: So do, um, do you see in the elderly? They tend to to be like, I don't want to complain. I don't want to upset my family members. I don't want to tell the doctor this because he's going to put me on a regimen of tremendous pain medications. Let me let me try to handle it, but it's it, it could probably be detrimental to them, right?
2: Sure, sure. You know that I think they're afraid, especially at older generations. The uh, the generations maybe of uh, I'd say fifty five and up. Um, those are the generations that I tend to see want to suffer silently maybe out of um what they'd seen in their past and what they consider pain really is they decide that it's best not to overexpress, and they don't want to be labeled or, or uh, said that they're hurting when maybe they see other people that have it worse um in reality that 's why we 're here as medical professionals we We have real empathy. we want to understand and do something to help them
1: and, and that apathy and that re- re- reluctance can we need to explain to our listeners today that can be detrimental even if if you moral we're going to show the signs and symptoms of some of this without them telling you that they are in pain or different pain but it, it's important that that it' be addressed, correct.
2: Sure, sure. You know, that we don't want them to think that their doctors don't want to help them or that their therapists don't want to help them. Um, communication is so important. If we if we don't communicate, how do we really share that experience? And how do we know where to start? Um, if we don't really get a chance to start someplace, I hate to think hate to think this, but you're kind of shooting in the dark as a medical provider goes, and you don't want to do that. You want to do the best possible. Um, analysis of that person's condition and be the helper that they need to be at that moment
1: and uh so i I want you to explain i learned something new i didn't know about these these uh, three subcategories acute pain subacute pain and chronic pain explain our listeners a little bit about that 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 was interesting to me
2: sure um the the best way we look at pain is to try to give some time frames for what a person would be considered kind of temporary or, or Uh, pain that doesn't last very long, versus pain that goes on longer. So the acute pain is a pain that would last from anywhere from four to six weeks or less. Um, Whereas subacute pain, that would be a pain that lasts anywhere from six or more weeks up to even six months in duration. Um, Then we go on to chronic pain, which is pain that lasts six or more months in duration and can be much longer than that for people who deal with chronic pain.
1: And, you know, the other interesting comment about that. I mean, if a person's in acute pain and they've been suffering for four weeks, is that daily, twice a day, ten times a day they're having pain episodes? I mean, I always think about that. You know, even though the statement says between four to six weeks, I'm thinking that could be even more frequent than what we're talking about here.
2: Sure, that's highly variable when you start to think about um, the experience of pain. If I say I'm hurting for four to six weeks, boy, I have to ask a lot more detailed questions about how often during that time period, right. how, what intensity fluctuations you have. We'll get into, I uh, think, a little and, bit more of that later. And
1: that's, then that's the leading question. So the measures of pain, and I know our listeners out there are going to say, Gary, yes, we go in to visit our doctor and our therapist, and they're going to bring that scale out from, <laughs> from zero to ten. And they'll say, so, Gary, what is your pain threshold today, right? They're gonna ask me that, and they sometimes show me the chart. Most of the time, they don't. They say, "Well, what is your pain?" And I tell them, "Hey, I think it's at a one." Really? And they said, "Well, why?" do You know, they they always ask me. They've qualified. So why? I said, "Well, it doesn't feel like it's just a nuisance kind of pain. It's not a ten level that I'm screaming and, and my I'm hollering." Right. Sure.
2: So, yeah. Those number scales are sure a vex because a one for you and a one for me. Yep. maybe a completely different experience oh. and they are subjective scales they're scales that are based just on that particular person's experience i and, can't i can't uh, judge between me and you on a one really
1: it's hard to wow so that is so subjective and and, and you know when you follow a patient through the course of course you ask them which I think is a great one you know the frequency how often does this pain occur you know once in the morning when I get up or every time I move right sure, so yeah. you know you have all those other particular and and I like when when i 've dealt with therapists they all they all want to know improvement and outcomes, so the, hopefully if their therapies are working and the modalities and massages and all the other techniques, it's going to reduce. Is that right? Yes. That's yes. the goal, is to reduce my pain. Sure, we look at from that. From the in... three or four to the one or zero.
2: Right. Yeah, that, and because it's such a subjective measure, one that belongs only to that person, um, by asking them some of the same questions each time they come in, we get that picture that we start talked about to begin with. What is that person's experience today relative to what it was a few weeks or a few days ago when we saw them the last time? And then then we get to really see and start asking questions about what that means to what they could do better now that they couldn't do as well before. Um, We even go on to this area of what we call impact on function, you know, what what this – level of intensity and, and how often their pain is happening
1: this is it going to hurt them in walking and, and stooping and getting in and out of bed is that, yeah, that, that, that's, that, been, that's what you mean by the function
2: sure that function we, we've uh, these are key things that we've started to talk about in the last maybe 10 to 15 years especially in, in the therapy realms but what is the measure of pain if it doesn't equate to something that means something real to that person meaning can they spend time playing with their grandchildren can they fulfill a role as, a, as an active husband or wife those are real meaningful functions in somebody's life that's what really yeah. the person wants to look for again.
1: And, and they want to do those without it being in such pain or not intolerable pain, right? Exactly. Tolerable pain. Yes. Rather than continually don't want to avoid doing that because they're going to be in such severe pain that they avoid it, correct?
2: Yes. Yes, so that's exactly right.
1: So, one of the most fundamental questions I have from from um, persons is when do you and others recommend that I, Gary Kaligas, or others, take medication from that painful condition
2: sure well first and foremost you got to pay attention to your pain and what it's doing to you Um, don't ignore it don't pass it off as something that is acceptable in your life if if uh, you really are experiencing a lot of discomfort discuss it openly with your doctor or your therapist Um, if you feel like the current regimen you're on isn't working start asking questions Uh, what can you do about it what what is what's going to make a difference in my life Um, really to get a true understanding of what kind of treatment you really need and how long it's going to take, because that's sometimes the question that I ask the doctors, uh, I ask the patients to speak with their doctors about. How long do you think this is going to last? Because that's really what they want to know. That's what I usually get the first question is, how long is it going to take you to help me with my pain and make it get better? Because they... People are, well, frankly, people are in a hurry with a lot of things. They want an instant fix. Right? They want that instant fix. And I have to explain to them, it may have taken a long time to get where you are. And I don't want to over-promise and underdeliver. The first thing I want to explain to them is, I'm in this with you. I'm in this, not necessarily it's experiencing your pain, but I'm here with you to try to help you travel on this journey back to getting pain-free.
1: And, and as you are a health professional, know that sometimes pain medication might be the quick fix but it won't be the lasting fix it mimics what's happening right
2: sure sure the the medicine is a tool just like other things that we use and it helps you get to other stages of recovery and so while it helps you reduce some of the effects of the pain it may also allow you to participate more actively in other things we do as physical therapists or other things that your doctor might recommend to help you improve your pain and your condition so Especially, I wanted to just add this, as for people that are dealing with chronic pain management, these phases can be much longer. And explaining that to them up front, boy, that can really matter. Saying, we are in this for a longer stage, and you're, you're, I'm ready to be here with you and let you know that I'm going to help you as much as I possibly can.
1: I also thought that uh, in your presentation you, you have a, had a session regarding understanding pain and how it affects both the mind and the body. I thought that was uh, uh, some quite interesting... Uh, values and observations, it increases stress. You know, I've never thought of that. When yeah. you're in pain, you're in, you're in a more stressful, stressful condition. Of course, I heard it increase the heart rate and increase your breathing a little bit because you're probably trying to uh, reduce it by breathing a lot. Is, does it help or not? I don't know, right?
2: Yeah. There's a, there's a the, you know, the multitude of effects. When we go back to the idea of the pain drain, mm-hmm. think about what your body's doing when your stress level is up, when your heart rate's up, when you're breathing more. You're burning through energy, energy you could reserve for other things that would matter in your life. And because that pain... Is affecting you in ways that's using up some of that natural energy that you, your body stores. Sure, you're going to be worn out. That's that part of that drain.
1: And what about you know concentrating? If you're at a task and you're an important task and you got pain, your concentration and your your ability to perform that task is going to be diminished. And, sure, like uh, that, a good radio show host. Right? Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very. I'm not in pain right now. I'm not in pain. At least right right now. But I have a backup. You know, I get Angela here to plug in. So. Uh, no, but I, I thought that was a very interesting type of uh, observation. That you know, pain affects not just you know the, the area that it's, that it's around, but mm-hmm. th- throughout your body.
0: Sure, which sure. Uh,
1: I never thought of that until until I heard I uh, heard your presentation there.
0: Well, what if we
2: don't sleep? That's the one big one I ask. I tell people if we don't sure. sleep, think about what that really does to our level of energy. Just as one thing, if I tell somebody. Well, how long have you been sleeping? Well, not much. Well, what's not much? And they say two hours, and for me, two hours seems like not very much at all. And they say, well, I only sleep four hours normally because
1: um the pain's keeping me up or the pain's un- un- unable for to me to relax sure. to, to get in that sleep mode. you can't
2: rejuvenate you can't uh, you can't go back to doing your next day's full day's work
1: and I'm sure it's crescendo, and it keeps increasing yes. We'll be right back with more information. But now, a word from our sponsors and advertisers who do make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel, proudly presented by A Bears Ten and Country Grocery Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer.
0: Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Kiel now. Back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show,
1: the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A-Bear, standing country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligus. I thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on the show as a special guest is Greg Redman, a doctor of physical therapy with Hurt Physical Therapy here in Shreveport. And he's discussing how physical therapists can help reverse the effects of pain on one's quality of life. So you know that is a, an interesting. I'm glad you let's talk about that real quickly. The role of physical therapy. Uh, being a healthcare professional in the past, also my wife was part of the Allied School of Health at LSU, and I was involved with a lot of physical therapists and medical technologists and occupational. I learned more in the past few years how physical therapy is is getting more encompassing, right?
2: Yes, um, well, we you know we've uh, we've returned ourselves so many times that uh, now we're considered the neuromuscular skeletal specialists. and so when you think about that, that encompasses a lot of the body. It does and uh, it does give us some pretty wide scoping uh, scope of uh, a practice and view of the body and how it works. That's a nice thing because it also gives us the ability to screen a lot of things for a person when they come in to see us.
1: And it's not just the rehabbing from somebody having a hip replacement or, or uh, a broken arm or leg or et cetera. It's more than that, right?
0: Oh, yeah, it's it, absolutely. It's mean.
1: helping them getting back to their normal independence, but they may be having pain, so that has to be associated with
2: that. Sure. Pain is such a common condition for us. You know, it's one of the most common conditions as, as we as human beings experience. And knowing that and what it's doing to us, I'll give you a kind, of, uh, kind of an interesting statistic here. Uh, according to the uh, Institute of Medicine survey from 2011, about 100 million Americans are experiencing pain of some type at any given time. That's wow. a huge
1: amount. That's like 33%, one-third of the whole United States. Sure.
2: I mean, we look at the population of the United States being about 320 million people. That's yeah. well, one in what? One, one in three, three. right? Um, that's just under one in three adults. That's really minus just veterans and children. So if actually you add those others, individuals in, mm-hmm. we're probably even closer to that ratio of about one in 2.8 um, when I looked at the numbers when we added them all together. Um, but if we take that population, that uh, 100 million Americans experiencing pain at any given time, that's equivalent to the populations of Canada and the United Kingdom or England. All put together. That's uh, trying to put some numbers to make Mm -hmm. that make sense. That's huge. That's a really big number. Um, If we look at the cost of what it takes to care for that 100 million people, it's about $635 billion annually. Every year, that that's spent, a lot that of money. With that amount of money,
1: and as we we're talking at break, the uh, there's so many choices out there for not just medicines and over the counter and prescription, and I'm I'm sure all the pharmaceutical companies are come trying to come out with new and improved items each and every day.
2: Oh wow, yeah, you, you know we had mentioned that uh, uh, that uh, the shelves of pain medicine continue to grow, and that's just the over the counter things you find at the pharmacy. Uh, Or at the drugstore. I can't imagine what's still down the pike in terms of prescription medicines that have either been developed or are yet to be developed. But that speaks to why pain is such a common uh, treatment.
1: In your presentation, you talk about the different types types of pain or that we can experience. And I thought some of these are quite interesting. I do want you, I think I want you to talk about one of them, really, because I've had people tell me that they have dealt with, uh, the phantom pain, or they think they have a pain, but they don't know where it's located, right? Sure. And sure. That, that, that is one of your your items here, which I, I have a lot of people. I have a pain, but it's like overall my whole body. I don't know where it's coming from.
2: Sure, And and, you know, that kind of fits into a couple different categories the way you're explaining it, which phantom pain in the true sense, the way we define it, is pain that's often associated with a body part that's actually been surgically removed. You know, an amputation. Oh, okay. So when we talk about phantom pain in the sense that you're feeling pain in a part of a limb that you no longer have, that's phantom pain. That's coming from actually the centers in the brain that are we used to be responsible and are still, in, its, in the brain sense, responsible for the sensation Good point. in that area. Good point. But they don't know that limb has been removed. So it's starting to feel odd sensations there. But the experience you're saying is basically what we consider kind of like referred pain, right? Mm-hmm. Pain that seems to be radiating to a different part of their body from where they're actually maybe injured. So they might be injured in their back or their neck, but the pain is felt down their leg or down their arm. And that radiating pain is, is, is confusing because it moves. Sometimes it moves up the limb or down the limb. Sometimes it feels different from day to day. And so that's definitely a, a type of pain that can put a person at, at you know unease, trying to understand it, and until they talk to their doctor or therapist about it, they don't really have a true sense of why it seems to be changing and fluctuating and fe- feeling odd in different places of their body at different times.
1: So, Greg, what is the most common types of pain? What, what areas? I mean, you have a bunch of them, central, central pain, neuropathic pain. What's the most popular?
2: popular popular in the sense of pain boy that's that's an interesting way Um, but I would definitely most frequent yeah sure sure Um, the most common I'd say would be musculoskeletal pain pain that is coming from a known injury or a known area of the body that's uh, that's painful Um, we consider that kind of a neuropathic or I'm sorry not a neuropathic a central pain you know pain that's coming from a part of the body that has progressive, you know, stimulation of the nervous system, meaning it's kind of like the body is getting irritated in a particular area. Um, I see a lot of people for back pain or neck pain, Mm -hmm. and sometimes that back pain or neck pain is coming from an injury to a nerve coming off the spinal cord. Other times, it's not really the nerve itself, but it's the actual area of injury. Maybe they had had a, a fall, and that fall had caused a contusion to some part of the body or a bruise of the body and the muscles themselves are injured. Um, that central pain is tends to be the pain that's affected by the nerve. Other pain, um, such as neuropathic pain, pain. Uh, one of the most common conditions we see nowadays is diabetes. You know diabetic neuropathies, things sure. that are affecting the nerves, but in a chemical way. Um, the nerves are not healthy and they're getting. Uh, they're showing signs of irritation. And that signs of irritation, meaning that they start to show signs of numbness, tingling, burning, uh, prickling sensations, that can be really irritating because they don't go away very easily, and they're not easily treated either. Most of the time we tell the patient, we're going to have to try to do everything we can to improve the rest of your body and hope that the the neuropathic pain improves along with it.
1: Oh, it's like it's you. You try to solve one area and hope the other area will affect.
2: Right, neuropathy pain is is if we what we find is that the person improves the circulation around that area okay. through exercise. Sometimes the neuropathy pain actually decreases, and in a good way. You know, we usually get a double effect there. We get them stronger. We get them more active. And sometimes the neuropathy pain actually decreases along with the, the increase in activity so,
1: so in, in the area of medical advances in medical surgery um, uh, hopefully people have or the physicians and surgeons are using more medical techniques and medical to alleviate some of the after pain after surgery right but but occasionally it 's not and some people want you know, had the procedure necessary procedure, but they continue to have that pain. So, what what do you recommend to them?
2: That's sure. That's uh, that's huge. There's a huge variability, a huge change uh, from patient to patient on that. Um, but there's really important questions to ask right off the bat after you've had a procedure or a surgery of some sort. Um, you want to understand how much pain was present before the surgery, or the good procedure, point, so that you know well. Was this pain that you were experiencing that we need to really consider what we call the baseline or what you had before this all happened? So I can get a sense of where we need to at least reasonably expect to get back to and then go below that if, if, if at all possible. Um, this would be somebody who says, well, yes, I've hurt for years like that. And then they had a surgery and they went up another, but they go back to that number scale. They went up another three points on that number scale even above their normal. My first goal is let's get them back to whatever their baseline is. And then let's see where we can go from there and even get them below that. Um, hope, our hope is always to try to decrease pain to the minimal possible.
1: Well, as one doctor told me, a surgeon told me after I had one procedure, you're going to have initial trauma based upon the the surgery I did. I did my best not to get not to traumatize any of your areas, but it's going to happen. Uh, our body is conditioned to that, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to expect that to, to occur. It's not going to be like, Turn off the switch and you're going to have no pain, right?
2: Well, sure. That's that uh, instant gratification that we often look for is we think the surgery is going to resolve the problem. And while it did correct what the surgeon intended to correct, um, we're left with the side effects now, that pain and the recovery and the healing. That's all part of normal healing for us. We have to understand that there may be some pain that we're left with while we heal, but we always want to look for a better point of resolution at the end, which you know we want that location of the pain, the intensity the, the frequency or how often it's happening, and the um, the long term aspect of that pain to all come down uniformly over time
1: and 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 correct me if I'm not wrong about this one is your body tends to react to that and try it tries to do all of itself to to eliminate or alleviate that particular pain
2: right sure i mean we're, are there's all pain is a warning symbol you know it's a warning sign for our body it's telling us something's going on and sometimes that means healing is going on sometimes that means there's injury in in a state of repair and we have to understand pain as a as a mechanism a warning sign for us um, we as therapists look at the pain and it helps us identify where to begin in some sense Because we're looking for locations or even that what well, we talked about referred pain um, Sometimes there's patterns to that pain Patterns of where it's located based on what nerve might be irritated so it does help us paint a picture.
1: So when you and other therapists follow a patient after a particular surgery, especially like a hip, hip replacement or knee replacement, there's going to be a level of, of pain after that, but you have a regimen that, that brings them to bring the, uh, uh, the, the walking and the aspects back. Absolutely. But it, but it's going to, in turn, it's going to keep the pain for a while, but hopefully the goal is to improve both, right?
2: Sure. When we're working with patients that are recovering from a surgery, since we've often seen very uh, a high number of these individuals dealing with this recovery, we have a stepwise process that we try to follow. And, you know, one of the big ones is control the pain, control the inflammation, and then start to move again in a, as much of a normal way as possible so as the person can start restoring their um health and their movement back to normal so that's always a goal is that pain inflammation and movement uh, helping rest restore those
1: one aspect of your uh your presentation which caught my attention and i think all the other people you you said you can treat yourself for pain so as long as you realize of the level that you're going to be achieving. So if you don't get a lot of success, you need to move on. Don't suffer, right? Yes,
2: yes. You know, you, you have your own limited information about how you've experienced pain in the past. And so you've treated yourself oftentimes. You know, how many times has your mother said, oh, just go grab an ice pack or put a wrap on that? You know, so you get a sense of what you've done in the past This work, But when you realize none of that stuff's working very well anymore, <laughs> time to ask for help. And that's why we're here. You know, that's why we love doing what we do. We love helping people, it's, it's looking and so they right. have
1: all these different ointments and ice packs. I mean, you—I hate to say this—you hear so many different people telling you to ice pack, but eating bad heat—it's so many—it's so many variables, and something as you said, it's quite individual. Sure, and uh, some work, some don't work. Yeah, but as you as you recommend, get help, don't suffer, right?
2: Yeah, get help, don't suffer. You know, look for people who offer. uh to look at your whole condition and come up with a plan you know you really want somebody who's going to look at you and say okay let's get a let's get a plan along with your doctor getting you on the right regimen of pain medicine if that's what he thinks the best thing is you know come in and really get a good screening of what the problem is and tell them what you've frankly tell them what you've done because sometimes that helps us identify what's worked and what hasn't worked for you as an individual
1: so, as a physical therapist in your in your experience, what other items can you do rather than just taking that medicine or doing the the uh, how to how to things
2: well you know the the medicine itself is always one aspect, but it's not the only one um, you'd like to start to look at. Uh, when you come in to see the physical therapist particularly is give them your whole lay of the land Tell them your whole history tell them what you've done so that we can start someplace I've had people come in and they say to me. Well, I can't stand cold uh-huh. I might have started with cold uh-huh. and they say, "Well, I can't stand cold Well, I'm gonna have to come up with another alternative. I'll say well, you're willing to try it and if they say <laughs> absolutely not I'll say well, okay, then let's let's try other alternatives. We might try other what we call modalities things mm-hmm. like ultrasound We might try different forms of electrical stimulation. We might try medical massage, different than the types of massage you might get at uh, different of uh, massage therapy therapy or spas in in the area. Um, Medical massage uses different specific techniques based on the area that you have your injury or your experience of pain. Um, So we might go through some of those. And then we also do things with what are called manual therapies, things where we get our hands on you and we start to feel the tissues. We start to understand where abnormalities are that we can feel and understand. And we do um, basically, frankly, we use a lot of our hands-on skills that we trained in, in physical therapy school to really start to try to normalize the tissues. as much as as we possibly can. And that might not all happen in one visit. We might look at how many visits it's going to take, and we're going to talk about realistic, realistic expectations about what this is going to take from visit to visit, how much you're feeling better, and what kind of things you experience between visits, and and
1: and, and the aspects of hot and cold and therapy massage, but uh, the hands on, I, I I will tell you I, I have experienced that and was pretty remarkable. I never had that uh, aspect of a physical therapist doing the hands on. Uh, uh, Regarding my particular back issue that I had and it actually it actually did improve
2: mm-hmm. uh, It's some of the most satisfying side from us as a therapist as we I would say as a group of therapists as I've I've seen through the years. We all like to get our hands on our patients That's that's a personal experience that you have with your patient getting to know their body and helping them understand their body better
1: the other aspect that a that a therapist can provide is telling the individual what they should and not do regarding posture and sitting and walking. I thought that was remarkable. You you talked a little bit about that, uh, about breathing, about walking, about, uh, I would call them aids that could help them back, certain braces and certain pillows that they can put back to, to help alleviate some of the exacerbation of their pain, correct?
2: Yeah. I mean, we teach a lot of people about what's considered normal for them. So, we might teach them what's what's the best way to sit in a car for let's say they want to go visit their grandchildren for and it's a two hour trip, and they can luckily luckily they can might only be able to drive ten minutes at their own what they've done in the past. We can give them the right position to sit in. And a process to follow to get down to see those grandchildren, that goes back to what is going to mean something to them.
1: And that's goal outcome, that the person has to relate it to their health professional, their therapist. I want to do the following. Help me reach that particular goal.
2: Yeah, exactly. That, you know, how, does, uh, how do we measure success in therapy is have you met their goals? And these goals have to be personal. They can't be, okay, well, I can bend my knee a little bit more, <laughs> right? If they, if it if you can bend your knee a little bit more and be able to squat down and um, hand a toy to your grandchild or to enjoy an activity such as dancing or something like that, I've seen a, f- a few people that have come in recently that they love to dance. And if we could get them back on the dance floor, to me, that was, that was more satisfying for them awesome. than just to be able to talk about how much more we could bend their knee or their, their back.
1: We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who do make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel, proudly presented by A Bears, 10 and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer.
0: Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas.
1: Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio. We're proudly presented by A-Bear's Sending Country of Streetport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Greg Redman. Director, Doctor of Physical Therapy with Hart Physical Therapy here in Shreveport, discussing how physical therapists can help reverse the effects of pain on, to improve one's quality of life. So thank you, Greg, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you, Gary. It's been quite educational and informative. I know our listeners out there have been have been thrilled about the information that you have given them. So if they're getting treatment for their pain and their pain's not getting any better. Or even worse what do you suggest that they do
2: well the first thing I would su- suggest is just start asking questions um, there's no sense to su- suffer without some result uh, there's a lot of options medical providers can offer you and uh, the best you, you are your own best advocate for your own health and so speaking up is really in your best interest I've been doing this for roughly about 15 years and Where that's good, that's not nearly enough compared to some of my other cohorts out there. They really do have a lot of experience and have shared a lot of this with me. Um, It's noticeable that in certain generations, they have certain tendencies. Our parents or even our grandparents' generations were more passive, and uh, they didn't ask for help as readily. Um, Now, for one reason or another, often they didn't ask questions or show outwardly they might be suffering. Really what I would uh, more often than not say is talk to your medical provider Make sure that you give them a lot of verbal feedback. Talk to them about what you've taken, what you've done. Um, Don't lose faith. There is options out there. Sometimes it's just a matter of trying other things, and the more you talk to your doctor about it, I don't want you to basically feel like you're complaining because you're not. We are here as, as medical providers to help you, and if you're not getting enough help, It's time to ask new questions. Sometimes asking the same question, you might get the same response, right? But if you ask new questions, that might mean that you're going to get a different response. And so that's how you get a different result for your pain. That's how you get the respect of the provider in saying there's a lot more that we know and we understand. Maybe your doctor's ready to refer you to somebody else that can help them or help you. They're just waiting for you to speak up. Waiting for you to talk to them and say, "I need more help than this medicine can give, or the medicines you've given me can can
1: try." So, so it's a two-way issue. The the, the individual patient or client needs to be proactive in asking, "I'm, I'm, Doc, I'm having a problem. I'm still having a problem here." Sure, sure. And, and, uh, and don't feel ashamed about it.
2: There's no reason to feel ashamed about dealing with things. Um. That haven't changed much for you since starting the beginning you know like i said we're here to to help you improve your life and if we can do that great but if you don't communicate or you get frustrated because we're not coming up with solutions without uh being asked questions sometimes all it takes is a little bit more open communication and it helps
1: but i will i will um, put you on a Pedestal here. What I learned a little bit uh, in, in your presentation, but also in my personal experience with physical therapists recently in the past few years, is you are great, your, your profession is great about asking the, the patient leading question, not yes or no. Are you in pain, Gary? No, no. They didn't ask me that. They asked me, is it difficult for you to pick up an item on the phone or tie your shoes or, uh, or get in and out of your car? They they qualified the, the pain scenario, which I thought was very excellent rather than just saying, are you in pain? What's your level today? Sure.
2: Well, that's the easy question, right, is are you in pain? Cause, yeah. But the harder questions are, let's break your life down into things that Have more
1: meaning, right? Meaning, and I I loved it, and I've seen more and more therapists do that, and and hopefully some of the other physicians out there are doing that, too. Yeah, I've seen a
2: lot of the doctors that that, that we actually work with actively really take an interest and say, you know, they'll they'll let us know, hey, they said they haven't been able to to drive more than 10 minutes on a trip, so they're actually giving us some good information before we ever get to talk to the person so that we get a good start with that. And
1: you need to emphasize to our listening audience, that's the critical nature of history and physical and and the updates that that you visit your doctor, your therapist. I mean, a lot of them, Gary, I've told them the same thing over and over. Every doctor should have it all by heart. I said, ma'am, you still have to continue to say that. Tell them, because a lot of them don't share those medical records, first of all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their insight, they're listening to your your history and physical and your conditions and your symptomologies, et cetera, to to come up with a plan, right?
2: Sure. Yeah, you're not your paper chart or your electronic chart nowadays. You know, we we read that to get a basic starting point with you, but every interaction we have with you one-on-one helps us learn more about you. And that's what's really most important.
1: And I think you as therapists, when you and and physicians out there, need to tell people when they're taking certain, these wonderful medicines of the side effects. Sure. Wow, especially in the senior population, and also follow the label and follow the order <laughs> yeah. by the physician and the pharmacist. Yeah. Don't say, "Wow, two of these pills are great. I bet I can take eight, and I really will feel great, right?"
2: Yeah, yeah, they're not—they're uh, not like gummy bears. I'll tell you that. Very <laughs> um, good,
1: very good analogy. I like that. Okay.
2: They—they <laughs> uh, they may not taste good either if you take uh, take more than one. But no, the. Uh, the side effects are huge on these medicines and there's a term we use in, in the medical arena called polypharmacy which means a person can take a lot of different medicines that are prescribed correctly by their doctor but the combination of all those side effects can have a match a pretty massive detrimental effect on a person's ability to, to be active and to do things. And so we do really need to pay attention to those.
1: And that's why it's important that the patient and the client tells all the health professionals what all the medications they're taking. And, or bring their bottles or bring their list or whatever it may and be. And I had one lady tell me, well, the doctor already knows. I said, really? He knows. How does he know? Uh, he talks to all those other five doctors I deal with. I right. said, "Well, possibly yes, but possibly no." Oh, right? that's True. Right? Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> they all think, they all assume that they all communicate, but uh, maybe they do, but most of the times they don't.
2: Well, you know, you know how busy the medical community is as a whole, and and yes, we'd love to communicate with one another, and especially when we have an urgent issue at hand, we definitely communicate. Um, but we try to sh- use the electronic and the paper records as in the meantime.
1: Um, and I, I want you to briefly talk about being addicted. Uh, there, are, um, I'm seeing more and more individuals that have pain, and they're so much dependent on their pain medication.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are. are there's a there's a real psychological. I shouldn't say psychological, but it is. It's a behavioral condition that leads to addiction. So these are things that were almost uh, pre pre uh, predetermined. In some sense, our, our bodies have a tendency at a certain point. Some people have a nature of being addicted. But this is not the norm for society. These are unique groups of, of people with their family histories. By taking pain medication, it can be uh, an, a pain medication that could be at a risk for somebody who already has a behavioral problem with addiction. But remember that by taking medicines that are maybe narcotics or, or strong pain medicines that your doctor prescribes, the risk of somebody who doesn't have that history of becoming addicted is very, very low. And for you to come in, I'll tell you a personal history, somebody comes in, a lot of them they tell me right off the bat, I feel like if I take those I'm going to get addicted. Uh-huh. Well, then I ask, do you have a family history of addiction? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, no. I'm like, well, have you talked to your doctor about this concern about addiction? No, I just don't want to take it. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to get addicted. I said, let's have a good conversation between your doctor, myself, and you. And let's really come up with a plan because you may be avoiding something that could really help you just because of this the, ir- r- irrational the thought, fear.
1: The, the thought that you could become addicted, but it's, it's, there's no history involved in there, and they're not dependent on it for, for years and years, right?
2: Exactly, exactly. I don't want them to have an irrational fear. If it's necessary and it helps them get started with their recovery and their healing, then as long as we can clear the air and start someplace, I think that's the best, healthiest way to start with things.
1: So uh, I thought one other aspect, you said, how often should I take my pain medication? I mean, that's that's a good a good point because the label doesn't, it says as needed, PRN, sure. right? Sure. But what does that mean?
2: Well, the PRN means as needed, sure. But exactly, what does that mean? What does that mean? If I am, if I go, let's say I'm gonna go back to that number scale. If I say so, I woke up and I was hurting at a three, and I went from a three to an eight in an an hour. Well, was PRN meaning when I hit ten? Was that as needed when I hit ten, or was as needed when I hit a four? I think the person had to have really had a good conversation about what that meant when they were issued the pain medicine saying if your pain rose above a three start to take your pain medicine
1: well I'm gonna tell my listeners they know I had a gout many years ago and my uh, my rheumatologist like it was yeah, told me on the onset of any gout pain, you take this medication. (laughs) Don't wait.
2: Wise advice. And and quickly.
1: And sure enough, if I would delay, it got worse. But if I hit it right at the beginning, Mm. it went away. I mean, it was like, wow. And... but you know that that's the scenario. You need to have that dialogue with your therapist and with your your physician about when to take that pedi- medication. It's it, as needed is a very vague term.
2: Uh, sure, you know we can't prescribe medicines as a physical therapist. We are but we are innately aware when they're not taken properly, and we try only to counsel the patient to talk back with their physician about what prescribing dosages and frequency that they take those medicines so that they really have a good understanding of them because if they don't, it, it could really damage their success with therapy.
1: So in closing, what can you tell our listeners uh, what the benefits of physical therapy for, for definitely for pain? Well, the, the, the big benefits uh,
2: for pain are when we get somebody who walks in the door, we want them to know that we're involved directly in their success. That's what we want them to understand. We come in, to look at it and say, we want to get a real history. We want to get one that tells us about what you've tried, what you have not, and gives, a, gives us a good starting point to develop a plan for you. Because if we can get a good line of communication working right from the beginning with you and we get a good understanding of where what you've tried that has not worked, we know that we can pull those tools out of the bag, set them aside, and say, okay, maybe they weren't either used at the right time or maybe they're not the right ones for you. That's okay. There's a many, many tools in that bag that therapists and physicians can work together with you to help control that pain. I just want to make sure that um, when people know they're having pain, don't suffer in silence. Um, we deal with people that suffer in pain. You, you know, the numbers kind of spoke for themselves. hundred million Americans experience pain at any given time. You're not alone. And we see many, many of you that we've helped immensely.
0: Yeah, and, and, and as you followed up before, it can cause other problems. It can cause... It-